episode Loaded nine. Oh. Does he sit second, man? No, I don't I think he does. I think Kevin Keegan probably sits second. Oh, my God, what a <laughs> scandal. Austin Eckler versus the cards. Go and fuck yeah. the lot of you. <laughs> Austin Eckler. He's making me like I'm some sort of cameo. Like, I'm coming in and go, and out the bag, England to win. Hello and welcome to episode 41 of Loaded Sport, where today we are going to be previewing this weekend's action. And international football is back upon us, which means at least two of the three teams that are supported by us here at Loaded Sport will not be playing this weekend due to international call-ups. But down in the National League, we don't have to worry about anything like that. But we will uh, give you a preview of England against Ukraine and England against Italy as well for this upcoming weekend, as well as another edition of Kempi's Combat Corner and Loaded Sports Listener Lock in the 12th person to have a go and try and beat the score of three. Joining me to go through it, we'll welcome, first of all, the Manchester United fan that gets to... Well, I was going to say, gets the excitement of seeing Marcus Rashford for all of five minutes this weekend, but that's not going to be the case anymore, is it? How are you doing, Skin? I'm all right, mate. And yes, don't even get Rashford for for the six minutes that he got against France, unfortunately, due to him pulling out after stuffing a slight knock against Fulham at the weekend. But uh, just very quickly, I do have a special guest with me tonight, someone that has has requested for almost all of the 40 episodes so far that we've recorded uh, that he come on. uh, And I've promised that he can jump in for the intro. Um, as his football and other sport knowledge isn't quite there yet, but uh, I'll just introduce him now. Are you alright? Oh, is that Mr. Tommy Dawson? Yep. How are you doing? Are you you alright? You okay? Yep. What? Uh, so, uh, <coughs> who's who's your favourite sports team? Just let the people know. New England Patriots. Interesting. And no, I didn't tell him to say that. <laughs> and uh, who's uh, who's your favourite player of all time? Tom Brady. And I didn't sell him to say that. Can I ask him a question? Can I ask him a question? Ask ask him a question. Tommy, who's your favourite loaded sports presenter? My daddy. Boom! Yeah, well. Definitely told him to say that. Definitely told him to say that. Yeah, I'll give him that 20 quid later. But, uh, yeah, I thought we'd just uh, pass him on. You you like a bit of football, mate, don't you? You play at school. Uh, What's your favourite position? Goalie. Goalie. Like he's... It's worse. (laughs) Goalie. Uh, nice one, mate. Well, thanks for coming on. And uh, hopefully when you're a little bit older, we'll pass the reins over to you um, and you can carry on the hard work that we're putting in. OK. Thank you, mate. Have a good Thank evening. Uh, and then, yes. Enjoy your night. Enjoy your night. <laughs> Um, uh, but yeah, I'm good, mate. Thank you. Are you? Uh, yes, yes, not too bad. Thank you. Uh, looking forward to a nice little break from um, from the Premier League and everything that goes on with with all of that on what is uh, National Long- Non-League Day on Saturday as well. So uh, we get to celebrate the fact that we're shit for a, a special day for itself, which is always nice. Um, also joining us to go through it is Mr. Kemp. How are you doing? Oh, mate, living every part of my dream. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Um, again, looking forward to uh, the weekend of sport in action. So we'll start by discussing England against Italy. I do understand that by the time this is released, England will have played Italy, but at the time of recording, it's not yet taken place. And uh, expectations, I assume, are relatively low anyway, um, as England make the trip across to the other side of Europe. So, Kemp, what are your expectations with uh, your favourite manager of all time taking mm. England to Italy? Uh, no expectations. Couldn't give less of a toss if I wanted to, uh, which is which makes for great listening on a on a load on a sports podcast. Um, but nonetheless, England's group, it's England's qualification group, looks like it, England, Italy, Malta, North Macedonia, 
and Ukraine. And while Ukraine, I'm sure, will be very galvanised because of what's happening in their country at the moment off um, out of the sports realm, unfortunately, they, they don't have, quite have the quality on the pitch and neither do Malta and North Macedonia. So you can expect England to qualify quite comfortably, as we always do. And then when we get to the tournament, you can expect England to capitulate quite comfortably, as we always do. Uh, get there very, very nearly. Southgate, uh, everybody's seen Southgate out. Um, and then he signs a three-year deal. So, uh, yeah, expect absolutely nothing from it. We'll not be watching a single minute of international football. Fuck that. Sheffield United, bring it back. Let's go to Wembley. Fucking hell. Well, that's it then, isn't it? May as well leave it there. Uh, Skin, anything you, you want to add on that against Italy, first of all? Are you hoping for a bit of a positive reaction so we're covering all bases? Or oh, like, what, what do you want from just me? Just be honest. Or are you hoping for the truth? The truth, yeah. yeah. You, you know what? Again, we've said it countless times. We, we had the benefit of recording this or at least starting this uh, podcast during the World Cup. So we've had many a conversation. But Kemp's absolutely right there. It's qualifiers for once we're playing a semi-tough team in, in an Italy and Ukraine won't be anything to be sniffed at at, at Wembley on Sunday either. But yeah, it's it's hard to get invested in the qualifiers, Nation League. It's hard to get invested outside of the major tournaments because just as Kemp said, we'll sail through it. We'll get nine wins out of ten, or a lot of the times ten wins out of ten. You think? And then for the for the most in history, I, I'm not necessarily saying we'll get it this time, but that's the trend. You know, we absolutely smash through the qualifiers. Absolutely, you know, there's no concerns or worries. I don't think we've had a concern about qualifying since what when we missed out in 2008. I think every qualifying whether it's Euros or World Cup since has been we've won pretty much every game but um, yeah I don't really care which isn't great again for for talking about a sports podcast and, and speaking about football but it's hard to get invested when you know what comes next if that makes sense so yeah I don't think we're going to do as well as you guys are expecting Would you, I, w- I was just about to say before I let you carry on with your, with your point Adam my ideal situation in this qualifying period for England, right? And people are going to hate this. They really, really are going to hate it. My ideal scenario is that we finish third, don't qualify, and Gareth Southgate gets sacked. I know we miss out on the Euros, but it means that we don't have to fuck about with Gareth Southgate anymore. We can get a fresh pair of eyes in, fresh pair of hands, um, and we can fuck this useless twat off. Uh, because, again, qualifiers are usually a piece of piss. Nobody's interested in them. Fingers crossed we get booted out and therefore Southgate gets booted out and then we can get a decent, competent manager in for the World Cup. That's a horrendous thing to say about your own country, but we're not going to win the Euros with him in charge anyway, so I don't really care. Carry on, Adam. I don't think we're going to win the Euros, and I'm pretty confident we're going to get to the Euros. If I'm not mistaken, if you finish second, don't you go through a playoff anyway um, from the qualifiers? If you finish second, I think so, yeah. But yeah. I, mean, I mean, I think it's the highest second, scoring I think second. We'll, I think we'll qualify, but... Um, I, I hope we finish third. I can't see any of those sides beating us to second. I think Italy, it'll be between us and Italy who wins the group and whoever doesn't will get second. The thing that I do think gives us the edge over Italy is, if anything, they're more of an ageing side at the moment. From when we played them last time, they've still got some of the same players. They don't have many young players. I was surprised to see how old the Kirby was when me and Skin did um, a football manager save on a, one of those drafts to see how, how uh, old he is, actually. But as an entire side, Italy are quite... Old, they are experienced, but this young side are much more energetic, and we've still got a nice little mix at the moment of um, of experience and youth. That I think against Italy now, as opposed to when we faced them, I think it was three years ago, it will be completely different. 
and I'm a little bit more comfortable against them now, and a little bit more confident than I were back then. Granted, that was the World Cup final and and completely different. Um, uh, sorry, the Euro, Euro final, final and completely different. But I, I just think I, I get what you're saying. You don't want us to qualify because you want Southgate gone, and I know you hate him more than you you love England. Clearly, but I think second will make it. First, we'll obviously definitely make it. Um, I just think against Italy, that's our only only speed bump, if you will. Everyone else will just be pretty much straightforward. We go ahead against them, we, we beat them, that kind of thing. I think a lot of it does go down to who gets selected, though. And including players based upon how they've helped you in the past doesn't really work for me. And I think when we get towards the last stages of this qualifying... I think it's going to be a, a different ball game completely, and we're going to have to go for players that are in form, such as relying on more of your James Madisons and and players like that, as opposed to your Mason Mounts, who aren't quite performing at club level and, and are really struggling at the moment. Uh, that's so, my so opinion. just counter, just, to, just very quickly counter what you said there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't hate Southgate more than I love England. I'm completely given up with Southgate now. I don't give a shit about him. You can fuck off as far as I'm concerned, or he can stay. I don't really care. I'm completely. You do you've just said you don't want us apathetic, to qualify? I think so that is the word. Go. Hang on, hang on. I'm completely apathetic about right, Southgate okay. and England, as far as I'm concerned. The reason that I want him to go so quickly is because I don't want to be apathetic about England. I want to be invested and excited about England and my country, and I'm not while ever he's in charge. So. In my opinion, like I've said, he's had three tournaments at the Sheikh. Two of those tournaments, the most easiest draw we're ever going to get in our lives. If we qualify, go through to the Euros and get another really easy draw, get to the final and lose it, they will sign, he will sign another contract and he will stay as England manager for the foreseeable future, right? So if you ask me now, would I rather A, not qualify for the Euros and he gets sacked or B, we get through to the Euros, breeze through qualifying, we get a really easy draw and get to the semis or the final again and he gets contract extension. I'm taking option A every day of the week because I do not want to be apathetic and not give a shit about England anymore because that's all. That's that's how I feel and I don't want to feel that way. If England go ahead and win this Euros then, does that not change your opinion even slightly? If what? If England go ahead and win the Euros. Not going to happen. Not, it's I'm completely not, no, irrelevant. Hypothetically, it's, completely irrelevant. Hy- it's not irrelevant. It's, it's, Adam, it's completely irrelevant. We're in the final of the last Euros. It doesn't matter. We got the easiest draw twice. When we got a fairly difficult, not even a fairly difficult draw, a normal draw that you get at tournaments, what happened? Right, okay. Answer the we question, got, what happened? We got an easy draw and we got through then, to the final. I get it. No, 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 no. And then what happened at the World Cup? Okay, we didn't get all the way to the final, but it's still right, a great... why is that? Because we didn't get the easiest draw like we did the two times before. Mate, we went up against France. The question of the question of what if we what if we win it? It's a completely irrelevant question. It's completely irrelevant. That's like saying, Kent, what happens if you win Euro Millions? I don't even buy a ticket, mate. It is not gonna happen. I... I'm just gonna have to respectfully disagree because if there's a chance that we're gonna go on and win it, I'd, I'd still believe that we could. So, so on the basis and... of what you've seen from Gareth Southgate and this squad. To the two easiest draws that we can ever gonna get in tournaments, we didn't win either of them, right? At home at Wembley against this same Italy team, this aging Italy team in the final that looked absolutely shy, right? They didn't look anything sparkling, didn't even qualify for the World Cup, I don't think, did they? No, um, no. And we didn't manage to get that done, right? And then before that, didn't manage to get that done in 2018. And then in 2022, 2022 it was, yeah. Um, got to this quarter the quarter final against France and 
fell apart because they're a decent team. Every single time Southgate comes up against a decent team, falls apart every single time. So on that basis, from what you've seen from Gareth Southgate, right, what makes you think we've got a chance at winning this tournament when we've done what we've done at the last three? Because I believe all but facing France at the last World Cup, and I think it was Croatia that knocked us out in the semi-finals of the World Cup before, we've taken a lot of teams the distance. Even with France, we took them the distance. Yes, we fall short, but what team doesn't lose games? It's then how you build on from that. And if we go ahead and, and dominate this this group and qualify for the Euros, and we show glimpses of the fact that we, we could go all the way in, in the Euros this uh, next year, why not believe that, yes, we could go ahead and win it? And if we do, where do you stand then on the whole Southgate situation? Is it a case of, I'm not expecting you to take a complete U-turn and say, oh, he's the greatest manager England have ever had. I'm thinking more of, at what point are you going to sit there and say, okay, fair enough, he's gone the distance and we've won the Euros this time. I refuse to answer your question because he will never win a trophy. My fucking God. You're that, Mate, you're that what, what do you expect? What do you expect from me when we've had three occasions where as soon as he comes up against a decent team, he loses? And you've just said, it's not about it's not about that. It's about when you lose, how you come back from it. Lost in 2018, come back from it by losing in 2020 or 2021. Lost in 2021, come back from it for losing in 2022. Why do you think that 2024 is going to be different? Okay. What so- tangible evidence have you got that means that 2024 is going to be different. So you answer that question. Your argument You there, answer that question, I'll answer your question. Your argument there is the fact that he's come back by losing. No, he didn't. We lost in the quarter in the semi-finals of the World Cup. He came back by making it to the final of the Euros. Then we lost. Right. We lost yep. in the okay. final. But we got to But we didn't play a decent final. team until we got to the final. That's why. You've just said Italy aren't a decent team. What does that They're say about a England, decent then? team. They're not a good team. What do you mean, what does that say about England? We're, we're getting to these parts. We just need to get over the line. We've got a very I, I, good... I, I, I want to hear your, I wanna your, hear your uh, opinion on this because you have been a Southgate supporter, so I want to hear your opinion on this because I think he's. I think Adam is doing what he always does, gets excited about a tournament, gets deluded, and then thinks we're going to go <laughs> Look, all the mate, way. It's and coming it should home. never happen. It's coming home. It's, mate, fucking <laughs> hell, so annoying. Dawson, what do you think? Um, I completely agree with your point that as soon as we face a semi-decent side or a side where we're not favourites on the odds or it's pretty close, we lose. Um, And that is why we got to the semi-finals of 2018 because we didn't really face a tough side. The only tough side that we faced was Belgium and we lost. And then we faced them in the third-place playoff and we lost comfortably again. Croatia, scrappy team. We know what they're capable of. Certainly they're not necessarily now. They've, They've aged a bit. Um, Euros again relatively easy we, we never really played great teams we played a Germany side that were in you know, a bit of, bit of a downturn at the time so probably caught them at the right time but credit where credit is due that was a, a decent side but again the first time that would beat someone that you would really regard as a, a close game hard to call on the odds we lost and then same in the World Cup we, we played well we drew a game I can't even remember now it was only a few months ago um, in the uh, in the group stages, and then yeah, faced France. Granted, it was close. Granted, we were a, a missed penalty away from potentially taking it to extra time. But again, like Kemp said, what evidence have we got to say that it's any different? We we said it at the time the tactical choices and the potential to make changes that didn't happen because we we seemed too scared to pull the trigger ultimately cost us. And there's been, it's been three tournaments now, so and I'm I'm absolutely agreeing with Kemp's point there about when we face someone that's a bit of a tougher one to call, we we never seem to pull it out of the bag, and 
again, we've had three tournaments to prove that wrong and improve. And yes, we might get further in tournaments or whatever, but that's only based on how far we've got before we face the side where it might be a bit of a tough one. Absolutely spot on. Right, well, lads, I'm I'm going to hopefully be able to say in a year or so's time that you can be proven wrong, but we'll see what all right, happens all right, going all into all the All right, then. Before we, before we get into the locks, I know this this will be going out after we've played Italy, but we know we're recording it before. So just quickly around the room, score prediction versus Italy in Italy and score prediction versus Ukraine at Wembley. Adam, you go first. I think we beat Italy 2-0. And Ukraine? Um, I think we beat them 4-0. Okay, Kemp. England nil, Italy one. Yeah, England, Ukraine. England two, Ukraine one. Okay, I will go one-one against Italy and a two-nil win against Ukraine. Okay, there we go. Uh, look forward to finding out just what happens with those when we come back for the review show on Tuesday. Uh, we'll be back in just a few moments' time where. Dawson, who is it that gets to take part in this week's Listener Lock-In? It is Richard, the sexy man, Shellswell. The winner of our £50 gift card before Christmas? He was, yes, that's right. The first competition we did, he was he was the winner of it. The uh, the, the Harry It was the Harry Kane one, weren't it? It was, that was the, uh, the exact same. So in just a few moments' time, we'll be back for that, as well as this week's Locks. <laughs> Welcome back to episode 41 of Loaded Sport. It's now time for the listener lock-in, welcoming the 12th person to have a go. Richard, the sexy man, Shellswell. Richard, how are you doing? <laughs> that nickname's going to haunt me. Dawson, thank you very much for that. It's well, uh, a pleasure uh, yes, to be here, lads. Yes, right. we, uh, we, just for a bit of context, we played a, a, we had a pool tournament at work a few months back and uh, for the final, Shells and uh, Aaron Lord, one of our other lock-in entrants, got to the final, so we had to give them the full like, dart-style entrances for, uh, as well as nicknames. So on the spot, I came up with Richard, the sexy man, Shellswell, and it's uh, stuck with him ever since. But won the tournament, didn't you, mate? So must have done all right for you. I, I did, mate, I did, yeah. L- lucky omen, that. <laughs> Hopefully it'll give you a bit of luck for the uh, the listener lock-in. Three is the score to beat. Are you confident? Not really, mate. Judging by everybody else's... Uh... Predictions. It's, uh, it's not going very well, is it? So not bothered about their predictions. How are you feeling about your own? Yeah, we'll 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 try, mate. We'll try. I've uh, I've studied since about probably two o'clock this afternoon, but it's it's not easy, mate. To be fair, it's uh, he's lying. He's, he's, he's been he's joking. He's been studying ever since I asked him to because yeah. uh, I had Rotherham down as one of his games, thinking who were playing, and he was the one that told me it had been called off because international weekend. So. Yeah, I don't know what you were looking at. You were looking in League One as well, I might. Yeah, yeah, I was, mate. Yeah, one of those. Anyway. Right, well, that kind of answers the next question. But, Richard, just tell us who it is that you support and why. I'm a Rotherham United fan for my sins, or shall I say, waterlogged Millers, as we're known at the minute. Oh, the Millers. Seeing the weekend's (laughs) antics, it was quite funny, to be honest. Yeah, I I said this in the the review show earlier in the week. Obviously, you were coming on, we had a very quick discussion about it. What's your thoughts on that video that was going viral of the of the uh, groundsman or whoever it was sweeping the water off and then bringing it back on? Do you think that was a ploy to get out of a game that they were currently losing or what, what's happened there? 
to be honest, mate, we, we were dire. Uh, I'm not going to lie. So it were probably, you could argue, the best result for us. Um, it were quite sort of Chuckle Brother-esque, to be honest, because um, there were about a minute left at first half. I thought, oh, stuff this, I'm going for a pint. Anyway, it weren't raining. Come back in. Um, and it can only be described as a monsoon. Um, obviously, everything's <laughs> opened. It were ridiculous. They played three minutes at second half. Ball would move through pitch. Um, so referee called it. But at half-time as well, the sprinklers came on. So yeah, that obviously over. didn't yeah. help. And then obviously there's the, the video of the groundsman um, putting the water back on the pitch. To be fair to him, um, he was probably flogging a dead horse. I mean, there were no way that he were going to do anything. It, it didn't help. And quite frankly, if I were a Cardiff fan, I'd be fuming as well because it's a long way to come. But yeah, we, we were dire. So it was the best result for us, to be fair, at the time. Yeah, I can imagine. Kemp, you said up the Millers there, which I'm surprised about considering you're a blade. What's your thoughts on Rotherham and their... No, to their, be quite their... honest, you say that, you say that, but Sheffield United and Rotherham have always had a fairly decent relationship. Um, we, we did a lot for them when they were going through tough financial times a few years ago. Did quite a few fundraisers for them and stuff like that. And um, yeah, I, think, I feel like there's always been a mutual respect there between Sheffield United and Rotherham. Uh, Rich, Richard might disagree, but from a Sheffield United <laughs> no, no. fan's perspective, um, there's always been that sort of respect there. And they've got a lovely new ground. They've got um, an owner that, for his sins, sometimes doesn't spend as much money as Rotherham fans probably want him to. But to be fair, he has always put them on solid financial footing um, and, and, and they're a very well-run club. So a lot of respect for Rotherham and and uh, and when the, uh, when, when the grounds keepers... Um, Accidentally, on purpose, kept the kept the pitch waterlogged. That meant that I uh, had not uh, lost my wild card prediction. So uh, up the mill is in that respect as well. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, you've loaned us uh, Alan Quinn and stuff a few seasons back, didn't you? And, uh, sorry, not Alan Quinn, player. Stephen Quinn. Sorry, tell what a player. Both. I don't of want to mention uh, Alan Quinn, but yeah, Stephen Quinn. <laughs> there were a few others that you uh, that you lent us as well. So I think yeah, there's always been kind of a mutual sort of yeah. Between the two clubs, a bit, I guess. Yeah. So it's Wednesday. We all fucking hate. Well, <laughs> I can't. I can't disagree with that. Yeah. They, um, <laughs> as as you'll find out in a bit when the uh, yeah, when Dawson's uh, yeah. Let's get on to it then. I like it. There we go. Yeah. Let's get on to it then. So, uh, Rich, you are going to be taking part in the listener lock-in. You've been asked to prepare a team that you are most confident is going to win, a scorer from this weekend's games, and a wild card. So we'll start with the lock. So a team between Friday and Sunday, um, from <laughs> League One all the way through to the National League, and I believe you can also and have the, Euro the European qualifiers. Well. Yep. Um, any of those teams. So the team that you are most confident in picking up a <laughs> win for you this weekend. Who are you going for? Uh, I've gone Slovenia to beat San Marino. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it really needs an explanation, does it? I think San Marino has never won a competitive game, I think. So, yeah. The best of all, a couple of draws, mate. A couple of draws. Well, but, yeah, I think it's... Uh, this will be, this will be the week pick... where they get their first win, you know that, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, quite, quite possibly. Yeah, it's going to happen, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Um, right, so I've spun the wheel, and it annoys me this, because the third consecutive week... Let's go to go first. Oh wow! Again, again, again. Let's go. Um, I'll take Wrexham this weekend, please. That right, it? Again, pretty pretty similar to what Shell said there. They're at home. You don't really need to explain much more than that, do you? And they're a big title chase, so you, I'll, I'll take Wrexham. Okay, uh, Kemp, you came up next. Mm. So I, I slightly struggled with this one because there's a few internationals that are worth looking at, um, and that's the uh, that's the way that I've gone. But you'll be glad or, or upset to know. Um, and I have gone with 
Spain at home against Norway. Yeah, no Haaland. No, no Haaland, and that's what kind of spun it for me, really. If if Norway had got Haaland, I probably wouldn't make this pick, but they've, they've pretty much lost all their firepower in that respect. Um, and Spain, to be fair to them, they've not been, you know, their best international team in the past few years, but I feel like um, they, they'll get back on the horse very, very shortly with some good young players coming through. So Spain to beat Norway. Okay. Um, I'm surprised mine's still there, but with it being the international break, part of me thinks that it, it's just one of those things. Uh, I'm going to go Notts with... County. Notts County. Uh, <laughs> to win at home just. against Scunthorpe. Scunthorpe, of course, just in relegation of the National League, potentially back-to-back relegations if they stay there. Notts County fighting with Wrexham for who's going to win the National League. So with Macaulay Langstaff picking up form after a slight dip of only one game without a goal... Um, <sighs> The one game I picked him, probably. Yeah, probably that one. Um, Notts County to beat Scunthorpe at home as well, so I'm allowed it. Um, so that's what I'm going for on Saturday afternoon. Right, on to the scorers. So, Rich, back to you. Somebody you think is going to score this weekend? I'd put three down, and I'm going to say... Have you ranked say... one, two, three, or is it your gut feeling when it came to it? Yeah, just... I've always picked the same two. Um, sort of most weeks, you know, when I've listened, I thought if I were on, I'd, I'd, I'd probably pick these. Um, I've gone Langstaff. Um, nice. I think he scored 37 goals in 38 games. So that means ridiculous at any level. So yeah, yeah. he's my uh, he's my pick this weekend. Yeah, yeah, Joe picked him last week and he came in good for him. So uh, yeah, hopefully looking at another winner this week. Just give us a shout if any of us go for any of the other two that you've not mentioned. Just let us know uh, who those were. Um, of course, in the snake format, going well back done. to front, that means I get to go first on the scorer, and I'm going to go for the first time, and I don't think he's actually been uh, mentioned before on these locks, Johnson, Clark, Harris for Peterborough against Derby. Interesting. Against Derby as well, yeah. Against I know Derby. they lost surprisingly the last week. They're in bad form. They are in bad form. Yeah. Peterborough at home and in <coughs> getting better form. Uh, Clark Harris is the top goal scorer in League One as well, so... I think it's it's a good shout. Even if Peterborough don't go on and win the game, I think it's a good shout that he's going to get himself on the score sheet. Interesting. Um, up next, Kemp. Yes, and I am going to retreat from the internationals and slither myself back into the National League where I am going with Paul Mullin for Wrexham to score against York City. He's never going to go Is it for bad it, that yeah. I, I typed him out when it got to your go because I thought he's green, he's green bullying. This means you know me too well, mate. That's fine. You're on my list as well. Yeah, not a problem yeah. with that. Speak, yeah, Paul Mullin speaks for himself. Yeah, he, he absolutely does, just as much as Wrexham at home speaks for itself as well. Um, well, Mullin was actually my backup and not my first choice this, this week. Um, so I'll go with my first choice. I'll, I'll, I'll go with Harry Kane to score against Ukraine on Sunday. Again, England record speaks for itself. Loves scoring at Wembley. Loves bagging in qualifiers. So uh, why not go with Harry Kane scoring uh, on Sunday to uh, start off his Euro campaign? Well, I say start off. Hopefully, he'll score against Italy, but I can't see it. He's much more likely to score um, at Wembley. So yeah, Harry Kane. Nice. So the last one, the wild card. So as long as in the bookies' eyes, the the team that you've chosen is not the favourite to win, uh, you can have them. So Rich, who have you gone for? Well, up until two o'clock this afternoon, it would have been Derby. I mean, they were nine to five, and I think Peterborough were eight to five. Um, and then I looked about half an hour ago, and I think they were both eight to five. So yeah, they're, I they're had bang to... on the same, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've had to go with Lincoln away at Fleetwood. 
Um, I think they lost the last two, but before that, I think they were 10 unbeaten. So it's quite odd this week, to be fair. Yeah, I agree with that. It's a tough week. I've only got one written down, so we'll be scrambling if someone picks that. Oh, no, it's me next, it's you isn't first. It? Yeah, it's you first. Go for it. Oh, thank, thank fuck for that. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly what Shell said. They really, really, really struggled this week. I don't know if it's, if that's due to us being two divisions down and internationals, as we know, are a bit lopsided when it comes to the odds because of, of the matchup. So, yeah, a bit of a struggle. But I'm going to take Tranmere away at Colchester in League 2. Um, Colchester have lost four out of the last five. Tranmere have lost the last two, but before that did have two wins out of their previous three games. So I'll be honest, I'm not particularly at all confident, but it's a kind of, that's the best of a of a bad bunch. So yeah, I'll go with uh, Tranmere on Saturday. Okay, Kemp, over to you. Yeah, I really, really struggled on this one as well. There were quite a few that I could have potentially picked. And, and to be quite honest with you, I just couldn't really come to a, an educated decision on any of them. Um, You've gone San Marino, so, haven't you? No, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. I've not gone that donkey just yet. Um, not not quite. Um, I have gone in the end, and I had quite a few written down, to be quite honest with you. So it's, it's you pays your money, your takes your choice. I've gone with Watford away at Luton. Um, okay. Luton have been a you know surprise force in the Championship the past few years, but Watford new manager bounce, Chrissy Wilder, one of our own. Um, I, I'm 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 backing my uh, my my boy to get a result away there. So yeah, it's not an easy one and probably won't come in, but you know Kempi's wild cards they always come in. Yeah, lump on Watford. That's fair. Uh, I've got three written down because I really had no idea who to go for and I had a feeling that some of these might eventually be taken because there's very few to choose from. Um, I did have Forest Green to beat Sheffield Wednesday, which I've decided not to go with. I also had Northern Ireland to beat Finland, but I'm ultimately going to stick with Wales to win away against Croatia. I'm really sorry to stop you there, but I've just thought, Luton don't play Watford until next weekend. There's no championship. Oh this weekend. shit! Oh shit! Sorry. <laughs> oh, God, I've absolutely fucking I've I've absolutely full donkey there. Yeah, I said I weren't going full donkey, donkey and then I did. Now what yeah. are you gonna do, Kemp? Oh mate, it's all right. I got backups. I got backups. Good. I got backups. Don't go on, then you go it, before I finish my mine. No, it's all right. I didn't mean. Sorry, I did. <laughs> right. uh, I'm gonna um, stick with Wales to win away against Croatia then. Yeah. Go Thanks. Thanks for that, mate. Cheers. So, why, why is uh, that again? Just out of interest. Yeah, cheers, sorry. cheers, 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 Dawson. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I just think Croatia is one of them sides that, similar to Italy, are quite on the uh, the older side at the moment. And Wales have got young players coming through, and on the back of qualifying for a couple of international tournaments, I think they're going to have a bit of confidence about them to uh, go that extra step again. Interesting. Go on then, Kemp. Gillingham at home against Carlisle. Like it, I did look at it, yeah. but yeah, I did look at it. I did look at yeah. that one. Yeah, let's just completely ignore that last one. I was just, all t- I was just testing you all, and Dawson, you're you're the only one that passed. So well done. Um, yeah, Gillingham at home against Carlisle. It's going to be a very close game, but I'm I'm backing the home team in my wild card. Nice. I like it. So those are the uh, the locks, the scorers, and the wild cards. So for the second part of the listener locking, then skin, I'll let you uh, take this away. Right, Shells. As always, we go with the team that you support. And as Rotherham aren't playing this weekend, we will move to international waters. And with that, England versus Ukraine. What is your score prediction for that game on Sunday at Wembley? I've gone 3-0 England. Um, I just think we'll have 
too much for him. I mean, it probably could be more, but yeah, I've gone three 0 Fair enough. Fair. Enough. We we've just spoken the football segment about. Adam is naively getting his hopes up yet again at the start of a qualifying campaign that we usually dominate. Where's your head at currently? Is it a case of you can't be asked because you know they do well in qualifiers and then they drop it in the tournament? Do you think there's hope based on what happened in the World Cup? Do you think they're just going to fall off a cliff? Where's your head at right now before the Euro qualifiers get started? You've always got to have hope. Do you know what I mean? We've, we've always got to follow them. I think last the last tournament was, I think, the best chance that we're probably going to have probably the best chance that I've seen us have. Um, it all comes down to what a tactics done here and who he takes and who he plays. And I don't know if it's early stages, to be honest with you. I don't really know. But I suppose you've always got to have faith. We've always got to back the lads, haven't we? Yeah, that's it. And you said that it's, it's down to the tactics and the players and the choices and things like that. Based on what you've seen over the previous three tournaments, is Southgate the man to deliver that? If he's not, who is? Um, I mean... Suppose you've got to, you've probably got to say, yeah. I mean, he's he's, he's done well with England, hasn't he? So it's it's took us to, you know, a final and then a semi final. So yeah, probably I'd give him a give him another chance. If he don't do well with this one, then I'd maybe be looking elsewhere. But the question is where. Fair, fair. We'll see. It'll all soon unravel, I'm sure. Uh, probably the biggest game uh, of the international weekend on paper is Friday's game between France and Netherlands. What's your score prediction for the runners-up of the World Cup versus one of the most improved teams in European football over the last few years? Definitely. Um, I can see it being quite tight, to be honest. Um, as it should. Oh. I think... Um, Obviously, both teams, obviously, you know, scored goals, but they also sort of leaked a few as well. I've gone two-two. Nice. So well, I think yeah, there'll be goals, right. not just playing nil-nil. Oh, yeah, I think they'll score draw. They'll both go for it. Cool. And the final game, mate, the one that you were you were really unhappy to see is Sunday's big game in League One. It's Forest Green, bottom of the table, uh, home to Sheffield Wednesday at the top of the table. Sheffield Wednesday, do you think it's going to be a comfortable win or do you think Forest Green can get something with home advantage and uh, led by Big Dunk, Duncan Ferguson? Up until 20 minutes ago, this was blank. I'd not even put a result in. I, I didn't really <laughs> want to speak about it, if I'm honest with you. Um, I was going to go for a home win and I thought I kind of have to play it sensibly. You know, there's a leaderboard and stuff. Um so I've just gone for an away win, three-one. Can't believe I'm saying that, but and then I'm not even giving you a reason why. That's it. Fair enough. Kemp, I, think I, right I want to know. I enough. want to know this. This vendetta he's got against Wednesday. I'm all for it. I'm absolutely all for it. But you don't usually hear a Rotherham fan having this much hatred towards Sheffield Wednesday. So I'd like to know the backstory to this, if possible. Just comes from um, sort of like school days and that. I think there were only sort of like two of us who were Rotherham fans in school. And I think it's just the whole, um, you know, sort of massive thing and stuff. And I understand they oh, probably mate. do it for a, I probably they probably do it for a bite and stuff. And I'm one of them people who probably you know take the bait <laughs> as it were. But um, yeah, it was just I don't know superiority it's just, it's just, complex. It's just, it's just, yeah, it's just it's just how they act yeah. and how they are and everything That's like that. That's absolutely right. Yeah, you know what I mean. Don't get me wrong. There are all right. I'm gonna say no. Can't believe I'm gonna say this. Probably a big club as it were, but they've. You know they've been they've been where they've been. That's it, and 
last few seasons we've had bragging rights and stuff, which is good, you know, mm. and, I'm, and I like that. And I'll have been to Hillsborough a few times and enjoy winning there. But yeah, it's mm. more the fact of, of how they were growing up and stuff. And they, they beat us down at Millmore and then they were knocking on my door because they come and beat us. And it's like, well, I'm a Rotherham fan, mate. You know, what are you bothered about? You, you've mm. come and knocked on my door. But then when we beat you, there's nobody about. And it's, yeah. So yeah. I probably should rise to it, but I do. No, and that's that's it. You know, you, you rise to it because you're a passionate football fan, um, and it, and it shows that you you've got love for the game. And uh, I can completely sympathise with you there. You know, growing up at school, it were all massive, massive, massive. Because you know, from from growing up at school, you know, their parents, the kids' parents who I were at school with, you know, they were Wednesday fans in nineties and early noughties when when they were actually going through you know decent times. Um, but you know, mate, the proof's in the pudding. Um, Rotherham United doing better than Sheffield Wednesday currently. Sheffield Wednesday haven't been in the top flight of English football for nearly 22 years now, so uh, they can stick it up their arse, mate. Uh, the Millers are, Millers are fucking handing it to them at the moment, so be as massive as you think you are, but you're never quite as massive as the Millers or the Mighty Blades. Definitely not. Do you know what makes it worse as well is the fact that, um, obviously, I started watching Rotherham through my dad, um, mm. but all his side of the family, my granddad, cousins, everybody's blue and white. Right. So that's the strange thing about it. And then uh, all the wife's family is all blades. So there's only me and my dad who are over them. So that, that's quite, I could have quite easily been, uh, yeah, could have quite easily been one. No, and that's fair enough, mate. And, and all due respect to you, you know, you're a Rotherham fan through and through. And it's uh, nice to hear. And like I say, always respect to Rotherham, always, always enjoyed them and liked them as a club. So fingers crossed um, you, you do well and you, you can maintain your place in the championship for a few more seasons uh, and hopefully push push towards that top end of the table and potentially live the dream. So fingers crossed, mate, and good luck to you. Yeah, let, let, let's hope so, mate. I think it's uh, we've proved that we kind of maybe... Not necessarily too good for League One, but we do well in League One and then we don't quite do well in Championship. I think we need something in between. We just need a bit of stability, that's all. And yeah. like you were saying earlier with Chairman, a lot of people are, are saying, oh, he needs to spend this, that, and other, and he needs to do this. And then he talks at Premiership, but I'm never going to see Rotherham in Premiership. It'll never happen, and I know that. Um, so he just needs to, you know, sort of stop stop saying it's going to happen when, you know, when it's not. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. And I think that's the thing just before we move on. You know, you have got to be realistic. Tony Stewart does kind of keep Rotherham on, on, a, on a keel. Um, the, the New York Stadium holds 12,000 people. Realistically, do you get enough people through the door? Do you make enough money to reinvest into the team no. and get yourselves towards the top end of the championship? Probably not. But you know what, mate? Don't say that you'll never see it because that's what football's all about, mate, living the dream. So fingers crossed one day you do. Yeah, hopefully, mate, hopefully. I think we just can't, in terms of budgets and stuff, that league, you know, it's it's tough, big league. We, we can't, yeah. generally, we can't compete like, so it's just getting the players in. But then, on the other hand, when you look at it, um, just as a last point, I mean, a lot of clubs, rounders have obviously um, getting points deductions and stuff, and they've all been in Premiership. So it kind of makes me think, you know, living beyond your means and stuff, do we mm. really want to be there? Obviously, yeah, you know, the, that's the pinnacle of football. But then again, I'm glad that we've got a club who's been in the black last few seasons and, and not been in debt. So, you know, that's that's a good thing, really. That's it. That's it. Absolutely. Well, Shell's been a pleasure having you on, mate. Been good to uh, get a, a perspective of a, of a different team. Just to confirm your predictions, your luck is Slovenia to beat San Marino. And we'll spend a good 10 minutes on that if, they, if that doesn't come in uh, over the weekend. You've had Macaulay Langstaff picked for the second week in the row as your scorer. Wild card, you've got Lincoln. And then England to beat Ukraine 3-0. France and Netherlands to draw 2-2. 
and Forest Green to lose at home 3-1 to Sheffield Wednesday. As always, we will go through those picks and your score and next week's review show. But until then, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, as I said, and good luck to you. Um, final question that we ask everybody, who is your sporting hero and why? This is one thing that I didn't write down, so I forgot. Um... Uh, never, never tell people in advance. Maybe a li- little bit different. Maybe let's say Ronnie O'Sullivan, just for the sheer fact of um, it's just I don't think there'll be anybody like him at that game, you know, anymore. Yeah. A lot of people said Tiger Woods and stuff like that, but a little bit different. So Ronnie O'Sullivan, just I don't think he's anybody as gifted as him at that game. Interesting. I like it. But uh, yeah, thanks for coming on, mate, and uh, good luck in the listener lock in, Aggie. Where are we off to next? Yes, in just a few moments' time, we'll be back to discuss with another edition of Kempi's Combat Corner. Welcome back to episode 41 of Loaded Sport. It's now time for another edition of Kempi's Combat Corner. Thank you very much. And as a combat sports fan today, I must admit, I'm not feeling ridiculously thrilled about the state of um, of combat sports, if I'm completely honest with you. It's a, it's um, a big come down from last weekend, isn't it? This weekend. Mm, yeah, so you've got weekend in the um, 18th of March, where I'm in London watching the UFC, watching the best fight the best, the welterweight championship, Usman versus Edwards. It's, you know, the consensus best two welterweights in the world. And then boxing suddenly creeps back into our lives and we remember that the sport as a whole is completely fucking broken. So I think we've touched on this before um, in an episode of Kempi's Combat Corner. It seems like this has been rumbling on forever. Um, But I will go back to the the beginning of sorts. Um, So Alexander Usyk is the WBA, WBO and IBF. Heavyweight champion of the world because boxing need five world championships. Answer that one for me. And Tyson Fury is the ring magazine and WBC heavyweight champion of the world. So on a very, very rare occasion, because boxing is broken, as I mentioned, these champions will fight each other and they will become uh, the winner will become the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. And then there can be no doubt as to who is the best heavyweight in the world. And then all the belts get separated again and all get split. So, Alexander Usyk defeated um, Anthony Joshua uh, twice, um, initially beaten for the IBF, WBA and WBO titles, as mentioned, and um, became the new champion at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Um, They then rematched, I believe it was in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Usyk won again. Uh, and, and therefore was um, retained his IBF, uh, WBA, WBO, heavyweight championships of the world. In the meantime, Tyson Fury is riding high, WBC, Ring Magazine, lineal heavyweight champion of the world, and um, books a third fight with Derek Chisora, which everybody sort of looks at as a little bit of a bit of a joke, to be honest with you. Chisora has been nowhere near world championship level for a long, long time, but you know what, Tyson Fury's a shrewd businessman. He gets in there with an opponent that you know he's going to beat. Um, He beats him quite comfortably in December of 2022. And after the fight, 
Alexander Usyk and Joe Joyce, another heavyweight contender, enter the ring and um, calling out, basically setting up the next fight in, in sort of quotation uh, marks. Um, Fury versus Usyk for the heavyweight, undisputed heavyweight championship of the world. So this is at the start of 2023. So 2023 rolls around and it's right. Okay, let's get this fight on. Let's get it sorted for April. We're talking about Saudi Arabia and it all starts going a little bit quiet. Rumor are, rumors are that, that they can't get a temporary arena built for the event in time. Another rumour is is that they're not willing to put up the money. They don't think it's going to draw enough money for it to be, in terms of a business sense, make sense for Saudi Arabia. And therefore, it starts, rumour mill starts running to, 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 um, for the fight to take place at Wembley, Wembley Stadium. <sighs> so that's, the, that's the, the start of this potential undisputed fight for all the marbles. Um, it then gets to the stage where Frank Warren, who is the head of Queensbury Promotions and represents Tyson Fury in the uh, in the boxing sense? Um, he he comes out and says, "Yeah, this fight's definitely going to happen. It makes sense that it's 50-50. So Tyson Fury will get fifty percent of the purse, and Alexander Usyk will also get fifty percent of the purse, and that's it. You know, it's as easy as that. They're both champions. That's it's as easy as that. Peace, piss, hands together, job done. It then comes out that they're struggling to agree to terms." And then Tyson Fury, I think it was last week now, um, comes out on his Instagram page, as he always does, and says, Alexander Usyk, you gappy teeth, cruiserweight, or whatever it might be. Um, I'm not giving you 50-50. You don't deserve 50-50. I'm giving you 70-30. I'm having 70 and you're having 30% of uh, of the split. Everybody who knows anything about boxing looks back at that on the 10th of March and says, well, that's it, then it's not going to happen. Because Usyk holds three belts, Tyson Fury technically owns two, and, and you know, he, he wants 70% at purse. That's not going to happen, that's ridiculous. So Alexander Usyk comes out and says, you know what, greedy belly, as he calls Fury, um, you're on, 70-30, I don't care, I'll take 30% at purse because I know it's more money than I'm going to make anywhere else, and it's because I want to knock you out, and I'm confident that I can do so. So, Brilliant. Everybody's excited. Wow, Usyk's called his bluff. That's it. Fight's on. Fury comes out again. Uh, no, that's not... Fight's not on because Usyk's asking for a rematch clause and I ain't fucking giving him one. So you can fuck right off. It's not on until Usyk backs down on that one. Usyk then turns around and says, hang on a minute, your people were the ones that wanted the fucking rematch clause to start with. That's fine. If you don't want a rematch clause, that is absolutely fine. But your people were the ones that put it in the fucking contract. So we're at another crossroads in whether this fight will happen or not. Frank Warren then comes out onto TalkSport and I think IFL TV as well. Again, Tyson Fury's promoter and says, yeah, it won't be a problem. Rematch clause is fine. We'll get it sorted. We'll get it on. No problem. April 29th, get your, get your tickets booked, basically. And then rumblings that it, there's, a, there's another problem. The, the rematch has been agreed. But Alexander Usyk wants too much in terms of a split for the rematch. Now, a rematch has been agreed that if Alexander Usyk beats Tyson Fury, they will rematch, okay, if, if everybody's still following me so far. Tyson Fury's problem is that Alexander Usyk, because he's accepted 70-30 for this fight, 
if he beats Fury and they rematch, he wants 70-30 in the next one in his favour, okay? Which a lot of people will probably sit back and think, yeah, that's fair. If he wins, he's got all the marbles, he holds all the belts, and Fury doesn't hold any. Fury's not happy with that. Fury doesn't want that to happen, and the fight is in jeopardy. Alexander Krasiuk, who is Usyk's promoter and manager, comes out, um, I think it was yesterday now, and says, right, that's it. Fury's been too greedy. We can't get it on. Um, it's not happening. Game over. Job done. Not happening. So Frank Warren then comes back out again and says, oh, hang on a minute. Don't be so hasty. It might happen yet. And then they get on talk sport. They have an argument with each other. And then this afternoon, it has been officially announced that the fight is off. So I'm hoping that everybody kept up with that summary of events. Dawson, we've talked about it before. We'll talk about it again. This is sort of the last I want to touch on this subject because it's been rolling on for a few weeks now. And we finally come to the conclusion that on April 29th, it will not happen. So your thoughts and your assessment of, of the timeline as to what's happened, as to whose fault you think it is, and ultimately as to how damning this is and how much of a bad look it is for the sport of boxing in general, not just for these two fighters. I have absolutely no idea because we we said it the other week, didn't we? Why should we care at this point? Fights that we should be getting excited for are being held back due to politics and things that we don't really care about from an outside perspective. We just want to see the big fighters in the in the big events and we're not getting that for what's seemingly stupid reasons. And, and we said that look, if Usyk's accepted this 70-30 and then the fight doesn't happen, where does the blame lie and, and what does that mean for people's legacies and things like that? And as you just said, that there, we had the discussion when it was announced last time and Usyk came out and accepted the 70-30 offer and now, just a week or two later, it's not happening again. So why should anyone that's a boxing fan give a shit or trust the word of anybody else moving forward? Because it seems that if it's a big fight where both fighters are pretty neck and neck and they're superstars... It, it, why are we going to believe that the fight's going to happen? We missed out on AJ versus Fury for what seemed to be similar-ish reasons. We're now looking like we're missing out on Fury versus Usyk for that same reason. And the common denominator in this is is Fury because Usyk and AJ have fought. So, like, what's the problem? I don't get it. I'm past caring. I'm sure you are as well. You sighed multiple times while trying to go through that timeline because yeah, it's just it's just it's just sad. Because why why are politics coming involved? Like a 70-30 split, you're still going to get paid handsomely. 50-50 split, a 60-40 split, whatever it is, let's not act like they're, they're sharing 100 quid here. You know, it's they're going to bring in huge money through tickets. They're going to bring huge numbers in through pay-per-view buys. So at what point does it not become about the money and securing your legacy? And I think well, at the moment... It'll be a worldwide pay-per-view. Every single yeah, country 100%. will be will be charging for this fight. It's not as if anybody's going to be giving it away for free. It's going to be 90 plus thousand at Wembley Stadium. The tickets will be at premium prices. It's the undisputed heavyweight championship of the world. They'll make, they'll, you know, this will be the biggest payday of, of probably either of those careers to this point, I would imagine. So yeah. it's just, it's, it's as I've said it before, and we've got a good mate, uh, Tina. He's, he's been on the podcast before, as people will know. He's a very, very big boxing fan and he will defend the sport of boxing as much as he possibly can. But I think even he struggles to defend 
this in the sense that it's just a complete joke. The fighters have got so much power. And in some respects, in some elements, that's a good thing. It's a great thing because it's them that's getting in the ring and it's them that's putting their bodies on the line. But ultimately, you saw it with Floyd Mayweather for so many years. You've seen it with Tyson Fury for so many years. In boxing, it's just too easy for them to make money and the best to not fight the best. They keep the belts. The belts all get separated. Um, and it's just a complete mess. It's a joke. No fighters fight when they should be fighting. Two fighters in their primes. It never, ever happens. Um, and, and, you know, boxing, it's had a good few years. You know, AJ's put on some great fights. Fury's put on some great fights. But, you know, it all comes crashing back down to earth with the politics and the bullshit. I mean, you've mentioned it there, Dawson. You know, you, you mentioned politics there and what, why does it have to get involved? I mean, in your opinion from sort of a layman's perspective what can boxing as a sport do to try and fix this problem before mixed martial arts in my opinion inevitably takes over let's get on with it and give fans the fights that they want to see you know every once in a while a fight is going to fall through for whatever reason but when it starts to happen more often than the fight itself actually happens. Fans lose trust, fans lose interest. They then see this alternative, which is, in this case, UFC. They see the success that cards are having. They see the success in terms of trying to fill out an arena, which was done almost instantly this last weekend. You know, as you know, you have to pay through the nose just to have the you know the, the experience of being there. So it, it can happen. Boxing, when the big fights happen, will always sell tickets, but what what are they selling tickets to at, at the moment? Because those big fights aren't happening. You you and Tina went back and forth in the group chat yesterday or the day before around a fight that was happening this weekend, and you're having a debate as in regards to sort of is that classed as a big fight? And honestly, mate, I have absolutely no idea about that fight until you mentioned it, and since then I've seen nothing about it either. So clearly, someone like Tina is a boxing purist, a big fan. He's going to be aware of it because he's keeping an eye on the scene, but these casual fans that fill the arenas that, that put in those pay-per-view buys that go out on a night out, especially because that fight is on. So they're going to have a few drinks and, and make sure that there's somewhere to watch it. People aren't going out to these kind of fights that we've got left. And it's, it's not going to happen overnight. It might take two years, three years, four years. It might take five to 10 years, but at some point the, the sport of boxing will, will really dwindle down when the biggest fights that we can name and the ones that mo most people are watching are involving YouTubers and influencers and people that you know haven't grown up in the sport, and that and that's almost where we're at. Yeah, no, absolutely, and and I won't don't want to spend too much more time on this because um, I understand we're, we're on it we're on a schedule, but it's it, it what what I was sort of getting at really, and and what I, I want to hear from somebody, and I don't know who I, I heard Gareth A. Davis talk about it on Talk Sport today, but what can we do or what can boxing do? practically to, to change this you know you mentioned there we just need to see the big fights but we, yeah. we you know we've wanted to see the big fights for ages and it doesn't happen so in my opinion and i completely agree with what gareth a davis said we need a a a, a, a governing body that that manages the entire sport all over the world a world boxing you know you can't call it a WBF or something like you can't even call it that you know yeah. you need a name of it let's say a world boxing organization but that's the WBO already let's just yeah. call it I don't know boxing 
let's just call it boxing, the boxing company, right? And you get the boxing company and they have a belt for heavyweight. They have a belt for cruiserweight. They have a belt for lightweight. There's one belt. And then, you know, all the promoters, they, they get the fights on and everything. And that's great. And if you don't defend, if you're the champion and you don't defend your belt, you get stripped of the belt. If you don't defend against number two or number one, you get stripped of your belt. And that is it. That is it. If you want to earn your belt back, you're going to have to fight for it back. And that's the problem. It's, it's Fury's quite happy to lose the WBC belt and not give a shit because it, yeah. it don't matter because the, the next person that he's fighting is probably number 15 in the world and he's probably going to smash them to bits. So it's just, it's so corrupt and there's so many people in boxing that are just in it for themselves. It needs one organisation, one body managing the entire sport and if the best, and if you don't fight, if you're the champion and you don't fight the next best person, you're stripped of the belt and you, 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 you're, you're now the challenger again and that means you, you sacrifice money, you sacrifice notoriety and you sacrifice legacy for that exact reason. And, and that's the only way to fix it in my opinion but... Do it, gun to my head now if you ask me in 10 years time if boxing will be fixed no, it, gun, no. gun to my head if you ask me if, if it'll ever be fixed in my lifetime no the sport is completely broken and I think it'll end up in 10 years time not even that where there'll be a lot of casual you know there'll be a lot of um, you know intense boxing fans hardcore boxing fans like we've said like Tina who watch fights and they'll they'll really enjoy the boxing but it will get to a point where casual fans will probably watch maybe one boxing match a year, if that, and it'll just dwindle to the point where it'll become a sport that's no longer in the mainstream. And that's a shame because when fights do get in the ring, um, I, I do really enjoy boxing as a sport. Um, moving on to uh, another sport that does it a little bit better, in my opinion, the, the UFC, mixed martial arts, where the, where the best fight the best and, uh, and two of the best um, are fighting each other this weekend in the bantamweight division. It's Marlon Vera, versus Corey Sandhagen um, from San Antonio, Texas. UFC Fight Night is back out on the road um, and it looks as though they're getting out of the UFC apex and, and back out on the road. We're also going to see Holly Holm, who is the former bantamweight champion of the world, uh, facing Yana Santos and a few other decent fights on the card as well. So not going to this too much. It's not a, a major blockbuster card, but you know the UFC do do this. They, they, they get Marlon Vera versus Corey Sandhagen. And then one of those two guys will probably fight for the title next at a numbered event. Um, and that's how they uh, they keep the contenders fresh in the UFC. A system that works very well, if I might say so myself. So, Dawson, I know you're not ridiculously up to speed on what's happening this weekend in the UFC, but I know you have done a little bit of research into it. Marlon Vera, who um, for, for the longest time was a little bit of a, not a journeyman, but sort of a, a middle-of-the-road um, bantamweight who, who nipped up to featherweight for a little for a, for a for a for a short minute and then nipped back down again um, is is fighting Corey Sandhagen who who, is, who has been a little bit of a boogeyman in this division in recent times before a couple of losses against TJ Dillashaw and Peter Yarn. So, your thoughts, Dawson, on this fight this weekend? Who do you see coming out with the win, um, and and how do you see that having ramifications for the bantamweight division moving forward? Do you know what I find quite interesting? I don't think I, I see this very often, but just looking at the bookies odds, uh, Sandhagen is the um, favourite to win the fight. However, when you break it down into fight income, um, to win by KO, TKO, DQ or submission, Vera is actually the favourite. And then Sandhagen is the favourite to win by decision or technical decision. So it seems like mm. it's going to be a case of if the fight goes all the way, Sandhagen wins. But if the fight were to end you know, before 
full time has expired, then Vera will get the win. So quite interesting. I don't yeah. I don't think it's very often that you see that where one fighter is the favourite based on one outcome and another fighter is the favourite based on another and it being quite close. So quite an interesting um quite an interesting way to look at it. But I don't know what you think, mate, if you think it can end within the distance and if it does that means Vera wins or if it does if it's a fight that's likely to go all the way and it does that means Sandegan will win. Do you think you know, is your opinion any different on either of those outcomes? Yeah, no, 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 you're absolutely right. I think if it does go the distance, I think Corey Sandhagen does pick up the win. Um, and, and if it is if it is finished before the uh, the, the, the five five minute rounds has expired, I do think Marlon Chito Vera will will come out with the victory. Um Chito is in his prime. He, he he really is starting to pick up some decent wins. The only man to ever beat Sean O'Malley, albeit it was an injury. Um, to Sean O'Malley that, that, that ended the contest but a victory nonetheless he then lost it a close decision against Jose Aldo which a lot of people thought was, was harsh but then on, since then you know he's gone on a bit of a tear a win against David Grant he knocked out Frankie Edgar with one of the most brutal kicks you'll ever see um, Rob Font a decision there and he knocked out Dominic Cruz a legend of the game with a head kick as well so Chito was on a bit of a tear Sam Hagen a couple of difficult uh, fights, but then came back against Son, Son Yudong and, and got a good victory there. So I think it's going to be a very close fight, but I can see Marlon Chito Vera winning by uh, TKO, maybe in the second or third round. I think he might just have a little bit too much power for Sandhagen. Um, and, and you've seen it in, in the past with, with Corey Sandhagen. He, he, he's a good fighter. He's, he's you know he's a, a good contender in the division. They're both 30 years of age, so they're not past the prime, most definitely not. But you do tend to find that when when Sandhagen kind of does get towards the top of the decision, uh, the division, sorry, um, lost against Aljamain Sterling, lost against TJ Dillashaw, lost against Peter Yarn, three f- fighters that have been in title contention and title fights in very very recent um, uh, times. So I do think that Marlon Vera will get the will get the victory. I would back him if I was uh, betting on the on the result, um, and uh, and I do think he will pick up the victory. Um, quick one on Holly home before we do sort of shoot off into the next uh, next segment of Loaded Sport. Holly home shocked the world a few years ago by head-kicking Ronda Rousey into the shadow realm and ending the hype train of Ronda Rousey in, in a spectacular fashion and picking up the Women's Bantamweight Championship of the World. Hasn't managed to capture UFC gold since that occasion, has been in a little bit of a patchy form since then. Dawson, she's just signed a four-year or a four-fight contract extension with the UFC. And Holly Holm, she's not in great form. She, she lost her last fight by a split decision, but then won the couple before that. Can you see Holly Holm getting anywhere towards the top of the women's bantamweight division again? She's 41 now. So, you know, you would have thought potentially that she, she might be a little bit past that prime. But, you know, Amanda Nunes is the current champion. Um, Juliana Pena is top level as well. Can you see Holly Holm getting back to that top level at 41 years of age? And if not, why has she signed this four-fight extension? Money. Uh, no, I'm joking. Uh, no, I don't think that. Like you said, she's 41. We're, we're many years removed from that fight against Ronda Rousey, which put her on the map. Um, but what, what a moment to have. She didn't win a title in that moment, but that moment will rank higher than a lot of people's title wins in, in combat sports. Sorry, so. do you mean when she knocked out Holly, uh, Ronda Rousey? Yeah, what did I say? Yeah, no, she did. No, she she won she won the UFC bantamweight championship of the world. Oh, sorry, yeah, fair. But I mean, like the the moment of doing that 
was probably was bigger than oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Means, yeah, no, 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 you're absolutely um, right. Absolutely right. Yeah, sorry, sorry, I, I didn't word that very well. But yeah, right. having that accolade of knocking her out and like you said, ending the hype train will will probably rank higher than winning the belt in in my opinion, and and I'm sure a lot of people's rankings, a lot of people will remember her for that more than the fact that she was a champion. Um, four fight deal. She's a name. She's got a legacy. Why not? She's she's probably not going to be climbing any divisions anytime soon. But mm. why not let her go out on her terms? Well, and if she's if she's still yeah. good to fight in her forties, then then why not let her do that? I think the reason that people are slightly surprised by it is because a lot of people were expecting her to maybe transition across to influencer boxing. She was a boxing world champion before transitioning to MMA. 41 years of age, you know, a lot of people thought she would maybe transition into that side of things to potentially pick up a, a payday there. But, you know, has the UFC offered her a, a little bit more money to potentially stay in the promotion for four more fights and and potentially put UFC uh, women's bantamweights, um, you know, over a little bit um, by, by potentially getting a victory against a former champion like Holly Holm. We'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. As Dana White likes to say, uh, we've got this fight this weekend between Marlon Chito Vera and Corey Sandhagen. And then after that, we have got the rematch between Israel Adesanya and Alex Pereira for the UFC middleweight championship of the world on the 8th of April, which I'm sure we will discuss along with Gilbert Burns against Jorge Masvidal, Rob Font against Yanez, Kevin Holland's fighting and a whole litany of cracking fights. So I'm sure we will pick up then. Adam. Kemp, once again, thank you for an excellent insight from yourself and from Skin regarding Kempy's comeback corner. Look forward to hearing more about that next week. Whilst on the subject of next week, we would like to keep all of our listeners informed. Thank you so much for your support throughout this 41 episodes that we've done. But there are going to be a few changes to Loaded Sport. Nothing to worry about. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be trialling bringing the two episodes that we've been doing down to the one, as this is more manageable for our workload as well. But do not worry, we're still going to have Kempi's Combat Corner. We're still going to be reviewing and previewing the sport in action. We are still going to have the listener locking, which is getting more and more exciting as we reach towards more and more people getting involved with their uh, their scores, their predictions, ours as well. Uh, the scores are now starting to get a little bit closer. The listeners are starting to get closer to uh, how we are with our overall stats over the course of the year. So it's getting more and more exciting towards the end of the season and the big news Mr Kemp I think we can say is not only is this going to be an audio podcast we are bringing visuals into it as well which means on YouTube on Instagram when you start to watch um, the clips that we're providing you'll be able to see our beautiful faces which obviously means I need to go and get a haircut anytime soon and start looking after my beard a bit better yeah, absolutely. And and we thought, you know what, we, we taketh away with one hand and we giveth with the other. As Adam mentioned, it is very, very difficult. We all do work full time and it's very difficult to keep up with recording two episodes a week, as well as all the editing, the changing, the social media promotion, etc. There is a lot of work that goes into recording a podcast that you maybe don't see behind the scenes and something that we all have probably taken up, you know, taken for um for granted while listening to podcasts before and not recording our own podcast itself. So we have taken away the two episodes a week but we are giving you our beautiful faces on your telephone screens Kemp, um, Kemp, week Kemp, after week after week I need we to will be you. we have breaking on. news oh we do have breaking news go on you may recall for at least 35 of these episodes sam white was along us alongside us he had to step down due to the workload but breaking news coming through at the moment on social media sam will be rejoining us Holy fucking shit. Well, there you go. 
we, we've taken away with the one hand and we've given giveth with two. We've got three hands now. We're like an octopus here at Loaded Sport. Sam, an unbelievable contributor to Loaded Sport. Again, uh, struggling with the with the amount of time we had to dedicate to Loaded Sport as a product, is now going to be returning on a weekly basis with ourselves. So, God, if that's not something to look forward to, guys, I don't know what is. So make sure you tune in to episode 42 of Loaded Sport. It will be a rebirth for us in some, in some respects. Sam will be rejoining us. We'll be going live on video and you'll be able to see my Dawson's and Sam's gorgeous faces and you'll also be able to see Adam as well <laughs> Nice, thank you very much for joining uh, me this week, Kemp I look forward to hearing more about Kemp's Combat Corner and of course the world of sport next week